created me a new heart, a clean heart, the words of King David, a leader, a man that we look to uh, as well as many other individuals from the Old and New Testament that represent leadership. And certainly that should be the cry of our heart, created me a clean heart. Because we are leaders. And because this university believes in leadership and developing leadership, it had the vision to start an entire, well, what started as a concept that became an integral part of our university. And it is called the Life Calling and Learning uh, leaders, or life, life Calling and Leadership Center. And November 15th, a gentleman came from California to head this particular uh, part of our university up. And his name is Dr. Bill Miller. Now, perhaps you've seen his placard in the CM building and wondered, who is, who's that? I've never seen that, that name before. Well, this morning you'll have an opportunity to meet him, Dr. Bill Miller. Thanks a lot, Gary. It's real good to be here. And as you can see, we're going to be talking about uniqueness here. And so I thought we'd do something different, like start the talk from up here in the balcony. That's kind of neat up here when you're up here in the balcony looking out. I mean, check it out. Can you see? I mean, everything's different down there, right? See the, the one guy in the, in the uh, road worker orange down there in the shirt? You can see that. I see a green shirt down there. A guy missed St. Patrick's Day by about a week. But it's kind, of, it's kind of neat. You know, I've been kind of coming up here in the balcony for the last few times just to kind of see what it's like. And there's a different group up here. It's, it's kind of neat. I saw a person uh, last Wednesday. You can actually study, write out things, and sing the, sing the praise hymns at the same time. And I think that's a real talent. And I've kind of noticed up here. You know, I want, tell me about this. Can you help me out here? I'm trying to learn the whole uh, situation here with the school. But... In the, in the balcony here, there seems to be more body uh, hardware than there is down on the main floor. Is that just kind of like coincidence, or is that like, is like the, uh, you know, X-Files or something like that? I know a couple of times when I've gone down, I've had this real urge to go out and get a couple of nose rings, you know. And so I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here in the school and to see how it all works. Because I know there's like uh, assigned seats and everything going on here in chapel. People go to the same place. But the value of what we are is, is to be unique. We are, each one of us, unique. I mean, if you look down there, while it's a mass of heads on the, on the main floor, almost everything looks different down there if you start taking it point by point. So it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of neat to sit up here and look at that. Well, a couple of things have happened to me as I've come here, and one of them I wanted to share with you. Fortunately, we had a, uh, a documentary crew along with us doing some filming of what we're doing here. And I want you to take a look at this. Uh, Terry Mundy called me up the other day and had a, had a real good thing going for it, but it... It's all in the area of the danger of being the same. You know, sameness can actually kind of ruin you if you're not careful. And so I want you to take a look at this uh, documentary clip that was being done of the university, this great opportunity and the problems that I've found running into sameness. And then we'll talk about it a little more after we see the clip. Sameness can be a bad thing. It gets you into trouble. Next thing you know, you're washing windows. Paul tells us in Romans... The 12th chapter, he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And if you really think about that statement in the, in the whole context of uniqueness, it's a very powerful statement. And I would like to look at the three points that come out of it. And actually, I'd like to look at them in reverse order, just because everything else is different today. First of all, he says this. 
he says we can actually know the perfect will of God or God's will. You know, that's a pretty good deal. I'm, I, I would like to know God's will. Secondly, he says, though, you know that by, by, by allowing your life to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, he says, if you're going to do that, though, you must not conform to the pattern of the world. Let's take a look at those three points this morning. Let's start out by the whole area of knowing God's will. Most of us would like to know God's will for our life. Our lives are sometimes in chaos, sometimes in a cloud. We're not really sure what's going on. But here he says you can know God's will for your life, a perfect will for your life. I'm thinking that sounds pretty good. I mean, many times that we hear when we come to school, like a college like this, what we hear a lot of times is somebody else's will for our life. Say, for instance, uh, take a look. let's take a look as we're looking at these different things. Take a look at the, uh, the ideal pattern that your parents have for your life. Okay, here's a diagram of the ideal college life plan that your parents have for you. And if you work with me right here, this will really help you understand your parents and you'll be able to get along with them a whole lot better, okay? Year one, after the first year, they want you to have chosen a major and stick with it, okay? Now, after year two, the important thing is to quit calling home for money, all right? Work with me. This will really help you. Uh, Year three is find a wholesome fiancé. Don't you like that when you're... What does that word wholesome mean? I mean, in my mind, I think of a whole wheat bran muffin, you know? And I'm thinking, okay. And then after year four, you graduate. (laughs) Well, we already know that plan is pretty naive, but, and then after you graduate, you get a job, and after you get a job, you get married, and then this leads to the big three, financial security, career stability, and marital bliss. <laughs> now, if you understand that, you can work with your parents a lot better, but I think maybe what we ought to do, though, is let's take a look at the more typical college plan. Okay, there we go. Straight through. Year one, okay? After year one, change major to avoid calculus. (laughs) After year two, change major to avoid foreign languages. After year three, change major to increase dating opportunities. After year four, change phone number so parents can't nag you. (laughs) After year five, change to general studies major so you can graduate. After year six, graduate after completing summer school. And after year seven and beyond, Start all over, finding out that uh, your previous college experience didn't do you any good in preparing for life. Now, that probably sounds a little bit more typical, but you know, we read. We go through, we have a lot of confusion as we're looking things. 
And, and we really would like to say, okay, God, when I come and take a major, or when I'm going through school, actually, what is your will in this whole thing? So let's look at the second point that we have as we come We start off by saying we can know God's will. Secondly, though, Romans 12 tells us we can know that by being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I had the opportunity to talk to the parents and their, and their uh, prospective students coming in for a visitation day just a few days ago, and I put this slide on the, uh, on the, uh, the next one coming up, please. To, for them, it's uh, who wants to be a millionaire. Incidentally, somebody won a million dollars last night on who wants to be a millionaire, so you can actually do that. But I put up these lists of careers and jobs for the prospective students, and I said, okay, let's play who wants to be a millionaire. So I gave them the four, four choices. Uh, First of all, A, the first choice, are, are these all the top-paying careers that you can do? Secondly, are they the most popular careers? Thirdly, are they careers you can prepare for at IWU? And fourthly, are they careers I have pursued during my life? And I even allowed the prospective student who was the contestant to poll the audience. And so they polled the audience, and 98% of the audience, as well as the person there, they all went for letter C. But you can't really prepare to be a geology teacher or a geologist here, or even a U.S. Air Force pilot. The real answer to this uh, question was, D, careers I've pursued in my lifetime. <laughs> and even if I simplify it, as we look at a, kind of a simplified career plan, I look at my life trying to find out what God was telling me to do in my life, and I prepared for law and politics all the way through college. And then I got saved at the end of my senior year in college. And so I figured you have to abandon everything and, and just go out and preach the good news. And so that's what I wanted to do is just go tell everybody that, you know, if you found Jesus Christ, you know what your eternal security is going to be. I was really excited, so they told me to do that. I had to go to the seminary. And so I went to seminary, and I found out that nobody was talking about being saved or Jesus Christ. I was just re reading a lot of old books, and I didn't like that, so I left. And... Uh, I found out I was eligible for the draft, so I decided I want to go in the Air Force, so I joined the Air Force as a pilot and officer, and after four months in that situation, the uh, president put a freeze on pilot training for the next three years and told all of us who had come in to be out. So I went back out, and uh, one of my friends who was in the Air Force had gone out uh, to a school to study public health, so I said I'll go out there and study public health with him, so I went there, we started studying there, and I was on a big campus, and there was a big medical school and a dental school there. And I looked over there and I said, you know, you can't make any money in this public health, and those guys make the money, so I think I'll go do that. I was married, so I said to my wife, what do you want me to be, a doctor or a dentist? Well, my wife's a nurse, and she said, I swore I would never marry a doctor. I said, okay, I'll be a dentist. <laughs> so I went into dental school, and I was having the time of my life. I found myself at the top of the dental class, enjoying every class I took, or just about all of them, really doing good. And then I woke up one day, and I said, you know, there's just two things I don't like. I love, the, I love biochemistry, I love anatomy, I love all these courses, just the two things I don't like is looking in people's mouths and drilling teeth. And I thought that might be a drawback in the profession later on. <laughs> so I left, and I went back to school and finished up a master's degree in secondary education using my seminary training also for religion, and became a religion teacher on a high school level, taught science along with religion and the relationship, and I was so fascinated, I said, I want to go study geology some more. I went and studied geology, and got a graduate degree in that, thinking about coming back to teaching, but ran out of money, and the corporations came out and flashed the money, and I became a corporate geologist for a number of years. All the time still doing teaching in, in, of people in the area of, of life and of Christ, and then somewhere along the line, I said, you know, I need to go back and do this full-time, and I did, and I went into leadership development. And I look at that life and I say, my goodness, I mean, you think, can a person actually do that in the length of time that he's actually been alive? The answer is yes, you can. 
But as I look back at that, I want to say, what, God, are you saying to me in all of those experiences and all the things that we go along to? What happens when a person goes along like that? And what I found out is that God has transformed me and is transforming me. And I don't look at all these specifics, but I start looking in my heart, and I find out that God has a special shape for me, a special design. And I'd like to illustrate that with five letters that actually make up the word shape. S stands for spiritual gifts. God's given me unique spiritual gifts. He's given each one of you unique spiritual gifts. Secondly, he's given us each unique uh, uh, interest, a heart, a passion for, for life and for doing things. Thirdly is abilities and talents. And fourth is a personality. All of us are a little bit different. Fifth is experience and training. And when I look at those all put together, what they really uh, indicate in me is what my strengths are in my life. Interestingly enough, if you take the most simple assessment tools and assess these five different areas, there's plenty of room for uniqueness. The actual number is somewhere around 17.8 quadrillion different variations looking at those five areas. Well, if you gave the most generous number for the people who have ever lived on Earth, it's probably 20 billion at most. So I think there's plenty of room for uniqueness. So each of us is unique. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to show us our uniqueness, then we can find out who we are as he develops these different traits and strengths in us. But we've got to look for it. But there's one other key element that we found in that verse. Okay, as we look on the verse, you can know God's will, you can be transformed. But the third thing is you've got to avoid or refuse being conformed to the world if you want this to happen. You know, when we talk about conformity in the area of sameness and uniqueness, it's real easy to, start, to really think we know what we're talking about there. But I found this in working with people that actually to uh, appreciate or discover your own uniqueness and actually accept it is one of the hardest things you can do in life. And the reason why is we live in a society that actually goes more towards conformity. And when we see a verse like that, we say the world, okay, the evil world. We know what that is. That's things like fashion, you know, the movies or media, advertising. I mean, what's the last time you ever heard an advertiser come on and say, just choose somebody else's product if that fits your need better. They're always trying to get you to conform. Or politics, they're always trying to get you to vote for the same thing. But you know what? Conformity to the world can actually be in some areas that we might not think of in the same kind of terms. It can be like at your home conforming to a certain way. It can be at a school, even a school like this. It can be at church or work. So, and there's a lot of different places where we can find ourselves conforming without allowing the Holy Spirit to really build us into what we want to be. It's kind of like this. I look at it this way. Every year they do tests to find out what everybody's favorite cookie is. And what do you think comes out number one? Yeah, see, so chocolate chip is everybody's favorite cookie, right? Or most people's favorite cookie. And so, I mean, it's the most popular, so we like the chocolate chip cookie. So here we have it. But then what happens if chocolate chip is the way to go? What happens when a sugar cookie shows up? Do we say, okay? Not usually. Instead, what usually happens... So we say, let's make the, chocolate, or the sugar cookie into a chocolate chip cookie, right? And, and, you know, so we get some chocolate chips out here. And we start trying to make the cookie uh, into a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> it's not working, is it? Obviously, the problem is we're not using the right technique. 
well, that's not working. Maybe not enough cookie or enough chips. Maybe we better start with another cookie here. And maybe we better get a bigger hammer. <laughs> so, You guys know where that director is for that music man? I, I guess I shouldn't have asked him if I could use his table. <laughs> Ever feel like you've been under a hammer like that? With life trying to force you into being a uh, chocolate chip cookie? Let me tell you this. I want to tell you right off the bat right now here, and I want you to listen carefully when you see these next two statements that are going to come up, because I don't want to be misquoted, and I don't want to have emails coming, and I don't want people running around saying, I can't believe they let a guy like that into the uh, auditorium and say those kinds of things. But I want to tell you right now, it is not the responsibility of parents, teachers, pastors, or anyone else in society to tell you, as adults, what to be, what to think, or even how to act in your life. It's rather our responsibility. Here's what our responsibility is. It's to help put you in contact with the only person in the universe who can transform you into who you really are, and who in turn will guide you to discover what to be in your life, what to think, and even how to act in your life. Now you're going to go out and say, next time I'm called into Rob Thompson's office, I can say, the reason we rented those kinds of videos is because, now that's not what I said here. I didn't say that there's not a right of a university or an institution to make. Everywhere you go, institutions will have rules. It doesn't matter whether it's here or where you work. That's not the point. All we're doing there is putting rules of what you're going to... This is the acceptable behavior in this setting. But we're not trying to tell you what you're going to be in your life. And when you come to the Life Calling and Leadership Development Center, I am never going to tell you what to be. I'm going to work with you to work with the Holy Spirit to allow Him to show you what to be. That's God's challenge to you. I've been under, I've been, I've been there. I, I, I know what it's like to have a hammer come down on me like this. I remember when I was in fifth grade, my fifth grade teacher said the sun was the largest star in the universe. And I had a great desire that my fellow students not go out with any kind of error in their information. And astronomy happened to be one of my favorite subjects, even as a young student. And so I'm sure it was a nice way that I told her she was wrong. And I got kicked out of class. And it started happening every afternoon. My mother taught first grade in the same school, and they sent me to her room. And she had me work, do the workbooks for the first graders, and they thought I was the teacher's aide coming in every afternoon. <laughs> I got to know all of my principals on a first-name basis. All because people were trying to get me to conform to a pattern that they thought was the only way to be. My challenge is to you today 
is to discover your uniqueness and value your, unique, your uniqueness and value everybody else as being different. And when we do that, then we can look right back at Romans 12 there, what, what Paul says there. We're not going to be conforming to anybody's pattern in the world, but we're going to be transformed by the power of God. Then we're going to be able to know what God's perfect will is for our lives because we're going to find what our design is and allow him to use it to better the society in which we live. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that through your spirit, each person here is a unique person. In fact, that's the way you created them when you designed them in their mother's womb. And I pray, Lord, that our whole experience here, even at the university, will be one in which we allow that uniqueness to be expressed and to develop in the way that you want it to, so that it can fill that one niche in the universe that can be filled by no one else but that person in their uniqueness, through the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you and you're dismissed.